Morning, everyone. Morning, morning, morning. Lovely to welcome all of you sitting here in the chapel and um, welcome to those of you watching online or if you're watching later, you're still very welcome. My name's Suzanne and I'm one of the chaplaincy team here. And it's lovely to uh, have Esther on the desk. Thank you, Esther. And Stephen on the keyboard. I feel like I ought to tell you, a, it's not really a secret, but um, Stephen's last working day today, not his last day of playing, but his last formal day of um, <laughs> employment, let's just say, before he retires. And um, he will return and play for us uh, in the future, but we might not see so much of him over the next uh, few weeks. So thank you, Stephen. It's lovely to uh, have you with us this morning. Thank you for all you've... Um, Thank you for all you've done for us um, in leading worship. We will celebrate, not celebrate, we will mark the occasion more formally at some stage. Today we're going to think about a concept that um, when I looked at the lectionary readings for today, I'd never noticed or seen before. So something a bit different. And I've enjoyed the journey of exploring what it means. By means of introduction, uh, two stories um, that have a, a bearing, I suppose. The first was some years ago, I, I like crisps. You like crisps? Yeah. My favorite cheese and onion, so there you go. Uh, and I went and um, bought a packet of cheese and onion crisps and I opened it with great anticipation and I ate the first one and it was, oh, what's wrong with that? And I ate another one. There's something definitely not right with these, cheese and onion. There was absolutely not a grain of salt or flavour on these crisps at all. The entire packet was without flavour. They were not nice. So I sent them back to the company <laughs> and said, I was very disappointed in these crisps. And they sent me some vouchers to get some more, which was fine. The other occasion that I remember um, very well was uh, quite a long time ago now. I was cooking for... Um, a youth camp, a national youth camp related to the church that I was going to at the time. And um, there must have been 50 or 60 of us all together. I wasn't doing it alone. I was with somebody else. And um, some of them were adults, you know, kind of leading the group and um, the rest were kids. And um, I was cooking and the, on the menu that day was rice pudding. And I'd made these huge pans of rice pudding, grains of rice, milk, all the stuff that you put in rice pudding. It smelt lovely, delicious. I got it out and it was all, you know how it goes a bit crusty around the edge and it was all creamy and I doled it out into all the basins. And then I could hear going around the tables, ugh, ugh, what's the matter with it? What's the matter with it? 
And what came back? The cry, it's full of salt. Can't be. I put sugar in it. So I went to the box that was labelled sugar, opened it. Oh, it's salt. <laughs> I don't know. Somewhere along the line, salt had been put in this box that said sugar, this jar that said sugar. And of course, it looks the same, doesn't it? The whole lot was ruined, as was my reputation. I never lived it down. Anyway, salt, it makes such a difference, doesn't it? And we're going to look at salt this morning, and it's going to teach us something about God's faithfulness. So, let's sing of God's faithfulness. Lovely old hymn, great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There's no shadow of turning with thee. He doesn't change. His compassions do not fail. As you have been, forever you will be. The faithfulness and reliability of God. So let's sing. Let's worship.
Let's pray. And I'm going to invite you to say this with me. The prayer will um, come up on the screen. Thank you, Esther. So if you want to speak it out with me, then, um, then do. O oh Lord, you know my heart better than I know it myself. You know my struggles and you hold each hope and fear in your reliable hands. Teach me, Lord, to be still and to know that you are God. We come before you, God of all creation, and are silent before you, resting in your sovereignty. So let's pause a minute. Enjoy his presence. And we say together, like Elijah, teach me to wait for your still, small voice and quiet the earthquakes and blazing fires in my life. Replace my restless activity with inner calm and help me, like Mary, to sit at your feet in quiet adoration even in the midst of distractions. Just as you spoke over the raging sea and storms, so speak over my heart your shalom. Peace, be still, you said to them, and immediately they quieted. Teach my heart to cease striving and to know intimately and deeply that you are God. You are exalted over all the earth, and you've got the details of my day covered. I can rest in you. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read from the Old Testament, from 2 Chronicles, chapter 13. And basically, it is the chapter. So um, 20 verses. So uh, sit back and enjoy the story. In the 18th year of the reign of Jeroboam, Abijah became king of Judah. And he reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother's name was Markah, a daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. There was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah went into battle with an army of 400,000 able fighting men. And Jeroboam drew up a battle line against him with 800,000 able troops. Abijah stood on Mount Zemaraim in the hill country of Ephraim and said, Jeroboam and all Israel, listen to me. Don't you know 
that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt. Yet Jeroboam, son of Nebat, an official of Solomon, son of David, rebelled against his master. Some worthless scoundrels gathered around him and opposed Jeroboam, son of Solomon, when he was young and indecisive and not strong enough to resist them. And now you plan to resist the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hands of David's descendants? You are indeed a vast army and have with you the golden calves that Jeroboam made to be your gods. But didn't you drive out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and make priests of your own, as the peoples of other lands do? Whoever comes to consecrate, to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may become a priest of what are not gods. As for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. The priests who serve the Lord are sons of Aaron, and the Levites assist them. Every morning and evening they present burnt offerings and fragrant incense to the Lord. They set out the bread on the ceremonially clean table and light the lamps on the gold lampstand every evening. We are observing the requirements of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. God is with us. He is our leader. His priests with their trumpets will sound the battle cry against you. People of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of your ancestors, for you will not succeed. Now Jeroboam had sent troops around to the rear so that while he was in front of Judah, the ambush was behind them. Judah turned and saw that they were being attacked at both front and rear. Then they cried out to the Lord. The priests blew their trumpets and the men of Judah raised the battle cry. At the sound of their battle cry, God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. The Israelites fled before Judah and God delivered them into their hands. Abijah and his troops inflicted heavy losses on them so that there were 500,000 casualties among Israel's able men. The Israelites were subdued on that occasion and the people of Judah were victorious because they relied on the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Abijah pursued Jeroboam and took from him the towns of Bethel, Jeshanar and Ephron with their surrounding villages. Jeroboam did not regain power during the time of Abijah, and the Lord struck him down, and he died. It's quite a battle, isn't it? Quite a story. Do you know, I don't think I've ever really taken any notice of that story before. If I have read it before, I certainly hadn't noticed the covenant of salt that is referred to within it. But when I read it the other day, that's what really struck out at me, or stuck out at me. And so I did a little bit of digging. Before we get to that, though, we just need to understand something of the context of the story, because it's important that we understand the context in which this is said. It's a battle between the north 
of Israel and the south, the kingdom after King Solomon had, had been divided. Abijah is the king of Judah. That's in the south where Jerusalem is. Jeroboam, he was leading the army from the north. Abijah had 400,000 troops. Jeroboam, double the number. Not exactly a fair fight, is it, if you just count heads of men. Jeroboam, he was at constant war with the south. There were always skirmishes around the boundaries. He was pushing the boundaries back, wanting to gain more land, driving out the priests of the Lord, introducing worship of the golden calves again. And people could become priests of their own. The two armies are facing each other and Abijah climbs up a mount and he speaks to the assembled men. And Abijah says, we haven't forgotten who God is. We have continued to worship. We've maintained the rhythm of worship. We've maintained the offerings and the sacrifices. And he says, you haven't, to Jeroboam's men. You've forsaken all of that. You've left it all behind. God is with us, he says. You won't succeed. Basically, why don't you just go home? <laughs> he says, God is with them. And they will be victorious. And that's a massive claim, isn't it? Massive claim. Why is he so sure? Because the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship to David by a covenant of salt. Even as he's speaking, Jeroboam's men are going round the back. They're at the front. Abijah's men realise what's happening. Typical pincer movement of, of war. They're at the front, they're ambushing from behind. And when Abijah's men see this, the cry goes up, the trumpets sound, the battle cry. They call out to God. It's important that we notice that. They call out to God and they rely on him for the victory. It's quite crucial, really, because they could have just sat back and said, we have the promise of God. But they didn't. They raised the battle cry. They sounded the trumpets. They raised faith among the people. They relied on God, and they believed that God would honour his word because there had been a covenant of salt. So while we ponder that, maybe think about the battles going on in your own life right now. Maybe you're facing a battle. Maybe you've just come through a battle. Relying on God and his word and his promises is the critical thing for us, isn't it? We're going to sing a couple of songs, one after the other. The first, Lord, I come before your throne of grace. And it reminds us that we have a faithful God 
He's a God of mercy. He hears our cry. He's a beacon in the storm. A song in the night. We can shelter in his wings. And then after that, we're going to sing the song, um, Faithful God. So let's worship.
So in the midst of battle, God is a rock. His word can be relied upon. Going back to Abijah, he was confident because he knew the teachings of God. He knew that the throne of David, the crown of David, was going to endure. Not necessarily without interruption, but it was going to endure. He knew the covenant that God made with David, that it was a covenant of salt. And Abijah was David's great, great grandson. So he had a claim to the throne. Salt. Cheap, isn't it, for us? Widely available. We know about salt. We know that um, when it's absent from crisps, crisps are just not the same. We know that in the wrong place, like rice pudding, <laughs> it can be the ruin of something. In Old Testament times, salt was scarce, rare, valuable. It was used to preserve food in the absence of refrigeration. And we know that the Romans paid the soldiers an allowance of money to buy salt. They paid them an allowance called salt money. Anybody know the term for salt money? Salary. Sal, salt. It's where we get the term salary from. If someone is worth their pay, that we say they're worth their salt, don't we? If someone is a good sort, we say they're the salt of the earth. Because it was so valued, salt has made its way into these sayings. And I discovered that there is a lovely saying that I don't think in our culture that we use or have ever used, but certainly in the Middle Eastern cultures, they would say, if there was a good friendship, there is salt between us. Because salt was seen as a preservative, it was enduring, didn't corrupt, didn't decay. So if there was salt between us, then that spoke of something really precious and ongoing about the friendship. But if we bring in the, the concept of covenant, then we go even further with understanding of what a covenant of salt looks like. Because a covenant isn't simply a promise or even a contract. A promise. I promise to give you 20 pounds, Dave. Well, I might, I might not. <laughs> Depends how reliable I am. Depends on my memory. Promises can be broken, can't they? A contract. 
I will sell you my car for X pounds and when you give me the money, you can have my car. Can fall down on either side, can't it? Because you might not give me the money, I might not give you the car, you know? God used covenants to give us a perspective of the increasing intimacy and relationship between him and his people. Some of his covenants required something from the people. Some of his covenants required nothing. They only depended on him. And we know that God covenanted with David that his throne, David's throne, would endure. And we know who was in that line, don't we, of inheritance? Jesus. Yes, there were interruptions along the way because God wasn't going to countenance a king who was faithless and who turned away from um, his, um, his will, his way. But God was faithful to that covenant. And it was essential that people continued to trust him, rely on him, and look to him as their God. So what about a salt covenant then? I'm going to need a, a friend here to help me show you what a salt covenant was and why it made a difference. Here's someone I prepared earlier. <laughs> Bribe for 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> There's your 20 pounds. <laughs> A valuable and rare commodity of salt. Truly. So we've both got salt, because we would both have salt. Now, we are going to barter, because I want some animals that David's got, and I'm probably going to have to um, give him some animals that I've got. So, Dave, mm -hmm. you give me your cow, I'll give you my chicken. You want my cow for your chicken? Yeah, it's good chicken. They're really good. Yeah. Have you seen the udders in this car? cow? They're utterly fantastic oh. and produce so much milk. Oh. <coughs> So My you're... chicken is extraordinary. Yeah. Extraordinary. <laughs> extraordinary. Oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll have to give me at least two chickens for my cow, minimum. Two and chickens? And maybe a goat as well. And a goat? Yeah. Is your cow really worth a goat and two chickens? It really is. Look at the horns and the, the colours. The colours are fantastic. It'll brighten up your day, any day. Does the colour of the cow make a difference to the milk? Yeah. yeah all kinds of... <laughs> but it's full of nutrients. Okay, I'll give you my cow and one bag of manure. Oh, thank for, you. For <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's settle on that. I'll have okay. your cow and a bag of manure and you can have a goat and two chickens. That sounds okay. Are we okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm over the moon. Oh, dear. <laughs> so to seal the covenant between us, we're both going to take a pinch of salt. I'm going to give you my salt, 
you're going to give me your salt. The covenant is set. But now that I've seen your cow, beautiful cow, she's old. <laughs> she's old. I'm not going to give you my goat and chickens. This isn't fair. You're breaking your promise. Yeah. You can't, surely. The thing about a salt covenant, you take back the salt I get, the only the grains, only the grains are you gave me, mm -hmm. only the mm -hmm. grains, no more. And I want the grains back that I gave you. Impossible, isn't it? We've got some hoovering to do now, but there we are. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Do you see how impossible it is for God to go back on his word when his word is given as a salt covenant? That's how reliable his word is. That's why Abijah could rely on it. Because he knew. Why is that important to us? Because the relationship that we have with God is based on a covenant. And that covenant, of course, is the new covenant, the one that Jesus came to fulfill. And the salt covenant tells us that it's impossible for God to go back on his word. And, of course, the covenant that Jesus came to fulfill, he would put his spirit within us. God would live in us by his spirit. The death sentence for failing to keep the law, Jesus paid for, genuinely. So we can be forgiven. We can let go of our guilt. We can be healed. Sozo, salvation. We can live eternally. Yes, the shell might die. We'll die. but the essence of me and you will live on. We will endure because we have the kingdom of God. Because God signed the commitment, if you like, with salt. And what is required of us to enter the kingdom? I bet you could all say this with me, for God, so loved the world that he gave his only son, his bit, so that we, so that whoever believes in him, our bit, will not perish and have 
whoever believes. That's our bit of the bargain, whoever believes. Because belief will change us. It will cause us to see that we're unholy. It will cause us to want to change. It will cause us to cry out to him in the storms. It will cause us to grow in love and want to be more like Jesus. We leave our old ways behind and we become more and more like him. God cannot take back his salt. Have you put your salt in his pot? Have you been redeemed, we would say? Set free. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the illustration of the covenant of salt that is impossible to break. Such was your covenant with your people. Such as was your covenant with David that his throne would endure. And in that line was Jesus, the promised one, the Messiah. The new covenant that would bring something that had never been sinned before, not fully, atonement for sin. That completely refreshed how we could be in relationship with you. And Lord, truly, we can say of you, there is salt between us, and we can hear you say to us, my child, there is salt between us. And Lord, we come to you this morning, the covenant-keeping God, with all of our troubles, with all of our sorrows, with all of our guilt, with all of our sickness, with all of our hopes, and we know that you are true to your promises in scripture. You are true to your covenants. So Father, we take a moment to pause that we might bring the thing that is uppermost on our hearts to you right now. Lord, for all those whose names are on our intercessions list, Shirley and Sharon and Gillian and all the names in the book on the altar. 
Lord, would you be their rock, their light, their healing, their peace, everything that they need. For us, Lord, who need healing, saving, we can trust in you when we repent and believe. Thank you. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea. I have a great high priest whose name is love, who lives and pleads for me. The last verse says, one with himself, when there is salt between us, I cannot die. My soul is purchased with his blood. Let's worship.
because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me and pardon you. May the Father of life pour out his grace on you. May you feel his hand in everything you do and be strengthened by the things he brings you through. May the Son of God be Lord in all your ways. May he shepherd you the length of days and in your heart, may he receive the praise. And despite how simple it may sound, I pray that his grace will abound and motivate everything you do. And may the fullness of his love be shared through you. May his spirit comfort you and make you strong. May he discipline you gently when you're wrong. And in your heart, may he give you a song. May Jesus be Lord in all your ways. May he shepherd you the length of all your days. And in your heart, may he receive the praise. This is my prayer for you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining with us. Be blessed and may, they, may there be salt between you and God today.